Hey, have you ever wondered what it would be like to have a conversation about geek topics, pop culture topics, hot topics, or different things like that? You ever thought about what it would be like to have a group of people you could talk to about these things and engage? Well, guess what? Now you have a chance to do that. Thank you for joining us on this trip, and welcome to Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, before we get this started, I just want to tell you about an exciting new tool that has helped and is also a sponsor of the podcast, Poddex. Poddex are a deck of cards you can use to get everything from ideas to podcast topics to ideas for would you rather questions and other exciting podcast stuff. All the decks of cards you can use to help grow your podcast and more importantly, come up with ideas when you're running dry out ideas. So what you want to do, it's, and that's also a great way to support the show, by the way. Go to www.poddex.com, use the promotional code, join the conversation, and get 5% off of your order. So that's www.poddex.com, join the conversation for the promotional code for 5% off your order. You will not regret it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations About Dot Dot Dot. I am Will. And like the great mantra says, in brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape our sight. Let all who worship evil's might beware their power, the Roscoe's light. The Roscoe brothers are with me, and uh, they're here. And no, we did not get teleported into a land of monsters. Uh, and there's not a future versions of us that are going to be taking over the show. We're here ready to talk with you about geeky stuff. So... Rasco bro, say hello. Hello. Um, hey, did you I, tell I him? Think, I think the motto works better if we say it. Yeah. Because if you just say it, then we don't we don't get to power Yeah, we up. don't get charged up on our power ring. On that being said, rings. hey, did you tell him that we're not Green Lantern? I, I didn't. No. No, I switched over to the Sinistro Corps a while ago, and oh. I'm pretty sure you went Red Lantern for a while. I've, I've been a Red Lantern for a little while. Yeah. You're surprisingly mellow for a Red Lantern. Well, I'm on CBD oil. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm I'm fine. Oh, wow. No, you should have let the joke hang. No, because well, then people will think I actually well, am. Okay. I'm not. I don't well, do that. I liked I, it. I, I like the joke. I dig it. No, that's <laughs> like I do the joke and then I back down immediately so that people know I'm that was just know a joke. that you're actually joking I rather than letting them figure. I don't it do out, that. Yeah. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't condone. I don't that do CBD oils. <laughs> but imagine if if there was a Red Lantern that was yeah. Just really no, I could see that like Atrocitus. <laughs> yeah. Like he's constantly got the rage back there. Yeah, but he just stops taking CBD oil so that he can like <laughs> rage out every once in a while. <laughs> And spit up. Atrocitus is just. is sitting down drinking green tea, and talking with his cat, and just sitting there having full blown dialogues about philosophy and things. You mm-hmm. think we're gonna have Dexstar in that new Green Lantern Corps show that they're gonna be trying to put together? Well, I mean, considering that they've not announced a single Red Lantern for the show, I mean, or anything. I mean, they primarily kept it green with a hint of yellow in Sinestro. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, it'd be nice if they introduced the other lanterns, you hey, know, other we, lantern colors. Can we all appreciate the fact that there was this guy that was considered one of the best Green Lanterns of all time, and his name was Sinestro? 
<laughs> What's that? Look, man. You think that would have been a tip off? That's be that'd be like the like the the most amazing like uh, priest of all time, and uh, his name was like Evilek. Evilek. <laughs> it's like the same thing. It's all like, wow, he's really amazing. He'll never turn on us. Yeah, right? he'll never have a heel turn. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Charles Serpent is going to be our priest today. Yes. And and he'll be speaking to us. For, why is he wearing a red robe? Oh, no, something about the effect. Just go with it. Yeah, it's Are you sure? Effect. It's, it's fine. He won't betray <laughs> us. I want to talk about our new business partner that we've had attached to our company, or at least that we're interested in getting attached to our company. Uh, they won Mr. Sinister. I feel like this is going to be a very good investment for us. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds trustworthy. He has a very good rep- uh, rapport in genetics. So uh, I feel yes. like uh, he'll be very insightful. You know, that that definitely would be the case. I mean, today in our lecture hall and our latest TED Talk, we're going to have Dr. Octopus talk about the importance of uh, bringing people together through whoa, multiple ways of outreach. Whoa, whoa, whoa. His, well, name, is his Doct- name is Dr. Octavius. Sir. He doesn't abide Octopus he do- anymore. He doesn't accept that. No. <laughs> but we will be having a TED Talk later by Dr. Doom. Yeah, Dr. Doom. Dr. Victor Von Doom. Dr. Doom. Victor Von Doom. Yes. Uh, leader of Latveria. Yes, Everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got a, we got a, for, uh, a foreign diplomat here. Yeah. He finishes the speech by reminding us that to challenge Doom is to challenge fate itself. Yeah, no, and Doom needs no man. Don't forget that he he needs no one. All right, so let's get into some stuff today. Of course, I if you if you guys want to hear some interesting thoughts I had on, for example, Monster Hunter and the trailer for Monster Hunter, which is what I referenced to in the intro, it it's on the solo episode. So Mm -hmm. go check that out, as well as my thoughts on Fat Man and the Green Lantern show. So I just wanted to know if you guys had any thought on those things that you'd want to share with us oh, before Fat we get into the meat and potatoes of it. Fat Man seems interesting. Um, I'm not. My mind isn't blown by any means. I mean, aside from oh, I guess Mel Gibson's acting more again. That's cool. I always liked Mel Gibson in the past, and then he went crazy, and I just don't really pay much attention to yeah. Mel Gibson much anymore. Yeah. I remember um, him coming back a couple times and. People were kind of billing him by the fact that he was kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, Charlie Sheen. Um, when he left for a while and then he came back and they they kind of used him by the fact that people were like, oh, he's crazy. So let's and use that in our movie. They brought him back for Machete. Yeah. Um, and built him as uh, Carlos Estevez. Yeah. So that was... That was yeah, interesting. His actual birth name. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about Charlie Sheen was Charlie Sheen was one of the few actors I've ever seen where he looked at his then wife, Denise Richards, and pretty much called her the N word. And I'm just like, what? I don't. What? No. That's not right. Well, there, that's not right at all. There's the thing about crazy people, Will, is that. They don't make sense. <laughs> they, they do stuff that that the rest of us go. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. So yeah, just you're not wrong. Just randomly shouting to anyone. 
calling them the n-word regardless of who they are like yeah that's that's crazy so the point is is that we expect santa to do that in this new fat yeah. man movie <laughs> we expect santa i don't expect santa to do that oh yeah well, I, I, I don't expect santa to do that because he's supposedly married to a black woman in the actual movie I or think he could with... still do it he could still do it uh, I would hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's an R-rated film. But then again, film, right? I don't know. Yeah. It is an R-rated film. I just, you know, I'm just hoping that... Because it seems like to me, I can imagine a pitch meeting for that movie being something like this. So, hey, guys, we got this really cool idea. What if Santa Claus was, like, working for the government and doing, like, cool assassinate-type things, and the world dejected him? The world didn't believe in him anymore. He's really disgusted with the whole thing. He's disgusted with the way advertisers are advertising him as the big fat man with the jolly suit, jolliness in the suit and all that. And then a kid gets a lump of coal. He hires an assassin to kill him. Yeah. They're like, okay. And Mel Gibson's playing Santa Claus. Yep. Uh, I don't I'm know honestly, how to feel about this, man. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't weirded out by it at all. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, when, when the, the trailer started, because I didn't know anything about the, the trailer before watching it. Thankfully, we didn't. Yeah. So yeah nor I, did I tell you. That was intentional. Yeah. So I clicked on it. <laughs> Good and I'm job, watching, Will. And I was just like, okay, this seems to be another, like, old guy is mad and he's going to you know, do some old, cool old guy stuff in the same vein of like Taken and Red and all these other things where it's like, we're really pushing like action hero old dudes these days, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah, Most of the movies are fine. Some of them are really good, yeah. like Taken. You know what's interesting? We also have a similar thing going on in video games, right. but that's a separate issue. Yeah. But um, I'm watching the trailer and I'm like, oh, okay, so it's another one of these. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be any good. And then they're like, oh, but it's Santa, though. And I'm all like, I'm interested yeah, now, sir. Okay. <laughs> that, is a, that is an interesting hook. Tell me more, please. Uh, tell Santa the big claws. Yeah. So the thing that's actually got me interested, like not only with it being Santa, but it appears to be a dark comedy. Yeah. And Very much so. Those... Like, I typically like dark comedies. Like, one of the ones that we really enjoyed recently was The Death of Stalin. Yeah. And that that, was a pretty dark comedy. So funny. It's so funny. Uh, Oh, my gosh. But it's it's interesting because I remember being younger and seeing a couple of dark comedies here and there and not getting them and not appreciating them. Mm -hmm. And uh, being kind of disturbed by them. But now that I'm older... I don't know if like it helps to be jaded or whatever, but I've begun to learn to appreciate that sort of style of comedy. And it looks like, honestly, I mean, regardless of it being rated R, I don't see it going too controversial. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because of that, I think it'll be just. I think it'll land right within my palate. Yeah, I think I think so okay. too. Yeah. I definitely want to see it. Now, I, I talked to somebody today, and I said, you know, it's funny. I did the book, like, two years ago, you know, called Obviously Santa's a Spy. And like, nobody told me I was going to be ahead of a curve, even though it's in a very kid-friendly way, whereas this isn't. And so it's like, I'm trying to figure out how to advertise this to be like, look, you know, Santa Claus is all the rage right now. Everybody's talking about Santa Claus, right? Well, what if he were a spy that did cool stuff and he wasn't, you know, slaughtering reindeer or anything? Just really cool kids of friendly stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just Honestly, thought that was interesting. 
Honestly, yeah. I'm wondering how magical they're going to go with it. Right. Well, I mean, they do reference the reindeer in the trailer, so... I mean, we'll the, see. Kid, I mean the kid got coal, so... Yeah. Is this is this still traditionally what we think of when we think of Santa Claus, where he still visits every you know every home in one night? Excuse me. Um, or is this going to be some new alternative take? Because I mean, he has his own version of elves. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And apparently, they have huge uh, they have huge appetites and eat a lot, and that's what mm. keeps them young. They yep. say. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, so, I, I am curious on me too. like how much of it's going to be magic and how much of it will be like. Well, this is explained with this kind of science. Yeah, this way. is this is this science, right? Because yeah. like, in, well, and also they talk about the fact that the elves make the comment. You know, it's like, well, does that keep Chris young too? And the elf goes, "No, giving is what keeps him young." Mm-hmm. So I wonder I if maybe it. part of the reason he's older is because he's so jaded about the world that he hasn't really done the Santa thing in a while. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why he's older and a little bit more... Uh, what's the word I want to use here? He's a little bit more jaded Yeah, toward the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to what their explanations are going to be. Because I, I do like new, interesting ways of explaining stuff. Like, one of the things that I really liked about the Santa Claus was the their use of like explaining well, these are elves this is what this is this is what this is there's some magic to it but a lot of it is kind of like you know belief and all of that is kind of what powers things um mm-hmm. and so i'm interested to see what what their explanation is for for fat man we'll see we will see we'll see now so on to that i do want to ask also um, or talk about at this point, Disney XD released a trailer for a new episode of DuckTales that will be a full Darkwing Duck episode. So I think that's interesting. I think we're getting one step closer to the Darkwing Duck edge where hopefully if at some point Disney Plus or Disney will give us a Darkwing Duck series. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that would be awesome. I like the phrase, um, the Darkwing Duck Edge, because it sounds like that episode that they'd already done previously with Darkwing yeah. Duck, where they're, like, they're like trying to, edgier. what was it called? The Duck Knight Re-Rises or something? The, the, yeah, the yeah. the Duck Knight Returns. No, the movie that they were trying to make. Oh, I don't remember the name mm-hmm. of the movie. It was something dumb. It was something dumb. The Returning Dark Duck Re-Rises or something. Yeah. I might be thinking about uh, Nuclear Man. Maybe. Yeah. But, but uh, I, mean, I mean, this isn't the first episode, so that, no. that we've had this. So, but I think you're right. I think what it's baby steps, baby steps. Well, mm-hmm. the I believe that officially the Disney people have said like the oh, yeah. plan is eventually to get more of the they're coming standalone back. Disney afternoon cartoons remade for modern. They're audiences. coming back. They're coming back. That's yeah. the, that's the plan. Yeah, that's why they're even having Goofy showing up in his. Goof Troop outfit. Yeah, he's and he's all like, "Donald, you're my bestest best friend. Hey, why don't you come see me in Spoonerville?" And uh, I, I like how, <laughs> and I mean, like they've hard dropped Spoonerville, Saint Canard, yep. as well as Duckburg and all these other places. Yep. Um, the place in Tailspin. Oh, um, uh, 
It's like port Saint something. Canard? No, that's, no, it's a port that's, something. That's, yeah. Saint Canard is is where Darkwing Duck's from. Darkwing Duck. Okay. Uh, they yeah. they they've mentioned the the, the location the for a Tailspin. Where Tailspin they've also hard dropped gummy bears. Yeah, they've they've hard dropped gummy bears. Yeah. So, they did a was whole episode about. where they did they did a whole episode where there was a formula for the gummy berry juice, basically, right? Yeah, but they they didn't outright say this is gummy berry juice. It was made by gummy bears. They just implied it very heavily. So mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that people understand that. Yeah, so that's gonna be cool. I mean, it would be nice to eventually get a Disney afternoon back. Uh, I know they. Somebody was talking to Greg Wiseman, and they're trying to. They're still trying to figure out a way to do um, a Gargoyles reboot. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how far, if anything, I know stuff going on in the world has slowed down. Yeah, a lot yeah. of those processes. Yeah, but I'm still super stoked and hoping that there is a. Um, that there is a eventual reboot of Gargoyles, because I do love, love, love some Gargoyles. You know, I, I, hmm. I've been thinking, and uh, it's sort of, it's sort of an interesting situation with, because you, you said so yourself, with the way current events are, it gets me thinking about, I don't think it would be hard to do a Gargoyles reboot. What's hard is doing a good Gargoyles reboot. Yeah. That's the thing, and I think that's what they're trying to fish for. Right. I think they're trying. I think to they fi- might mm-hmm. be trying to figure that out. Yeah. I personally mm-hmm. like. I feel like the original Gargoyles is so good. I don't. I don't really see why you would need to make a reboot. Mm. Um, okay. Especially considering they're like rebooting these other series right yeah. now. Yeah. Which is fine because more goof troop would be great yeah uh the ducktales series has been amazing mm-hmm. like it's way better than mm-hmm. it should have been yeah by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination like so many other series yeah have been trying to reboot and they've been pretty bad yeah not least of which was the powerpuff girls reboot oh man like that tons one was, of tons th- of old fans do not like that series. yeah um you know we're getting another reboot for powerpuff girls right but it's gonna be a live action yeah, I bet it is, I, and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Well, no, like the people that do, I've been doing like Riverdale and the Berlandi Productions team are actually legit working up a, you know, twenty something versions of the Powerpuff Girls that are disheveled and not not disheveled, but they're disenfranchised by having to be heroes so young. Mm-hmm. And this is well, this is like, confirmed. This is confirmed by WB and WB Warner and the people that are doing like the Berlanti verse on CW. Oh, that sounds like an awful idea. Oh, Buckle up, yeah. kids. Well, that, that, that's the thing. Well, I wasn't saying that I don't believe you. I'm just all like, of course they're doing that. Yeah. Right. No, I, I understand. I felt the same way. By the way, the town in Tailspin is Cape Suzette. Cape Thank Suzette. You. Thank you. They do mention Cape Suzette. They do and I mean, Don Carnage himself shows up. Yeah. <laughs> he has a whole musical number. It's great. And at the very end, we're all like, oh, hey, all right. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. You guys, were a, little, you guys were a little flat in the second verse, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting because Don Carnage like, sounds so different from his original counterpart. Yeah. Like, he had mm-hmm. such a specific voice before. Yeah. And now it's different, but it's it's still good but in a different way 
<laughs> it's good, right. but different. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like what they're doing with uh, the new Darkwing Duck. Mm -hmm. How he actually does kind of sound similar to Jim Cummings. Right. But it's it's so fascinating because when you get high-profile characters like this mm -hmm. and long-standing legacy characters like this, it's fascinating to watch new actors take on the role, or at least roles that are supposed to be inherently similar to the original role. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because they've they have a way... And I don't know the formula for this. Mm -hmm. I can usually crack the formula on a, like performances and story beats. And I, that's just something that I do out of a hobby. But I can't seem to crack the code on how do they know? How do they know that the new voice actor is not the same? as does not have the same performance as the previous character or the previous actor. But they still feel like the same character. Mm -hmm. Like, how do they know that Jim Cummings feels like Winnie the Pooh, even though right. he doesn't sound like the original Winnie the Pooh? Right. He sounds similar. Yeah. But when the, the... Like, in the same thing with Donald and Mickey. Yeah. Like, how do they know when it feels like that character? Right. Well, in the case of Donald, uh, uh, like... Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah I love the story. I've told the story. I know. I, I don't know. Have I told the story before on this podcast? I don't know. I don't think you have. Not here. Okay, so... You stop him if you he, if he have. Yeah. Um, so, Donald's current voice actor, Tony Anselmo, was uh, trained personally by the original voice actor for Donald Duck. So far, there's been two voice actors for Donald Duck. The original, mm -hmm. his name was Clarence Nash. His nickname was Ducky. He was Ducky Nash. God to, rest him. To his friends. Um, as he was getting on in age, uh, Tony Anselmo was working at Disney as an animator. And uh, they he would see him come in and uh, Tony Anselmo says he tried to do like a like kind of an approximation of Donald for him. He's all like, hey, Clarence, yeah. la la la. <laughs> yeah, and Clarence is like, hey, that's interesting. And then... He said, like, unprompted, while working, Clarence would occasionally come in yeah. to see him while he's working yeah. and be like, hey, try saying this and, like, do this. And, like, yeah, try like, saying okay, this sure, as Donald. As Donald. And, and he kept doing that a few times and he wasn't really sure why. Yeah. Um, because at that point, Clarence was already getting very sick. Oh, but yeah. not that, that stuff wasn't, first, it wasn't made public to, to any of the major public, but it yeah. wasn't well known in the business either. Yeah. Um, right, and it wasn't until he was in the hospital, yeah. and uh, Tony went to go visit him. Yeah, and Clarence is all like, "Hey, you're gonna be Donald now." <laughs> oh, and, oh wow! And he's just like, "Oh," and and then Obi Wan gave him his lightsaber. Right, right. Um, and so Clarence. Ducky Nash uh, passes away, and Tony Anselmo's been Donald since. I, what I I love that story so much. Yeah, because it kind of that kind of reminds me of the story of I believe her name was Annabella Sorkin. Mm -hmm. Was that the person who did the original voice for Harley Quinn in that Batman animated series? I uh, I'm not sure, but I, I can't was, remember the name of the voice her, actress. Her name was like Arlene or something like that. But you go ahead, Will. You and, go ahead. Jingles is looking it up. So so. As she got, I believe it was throat cancer, she got to the place where she couldn't continue to do Harley's voice. 
Well, like they had been kind of looking at different people, and she suggested to bring Tara back. I think Tara had tried for it beforehand, but they were just. But she was like, "Bring Tara in, bring Tara Strong in." And so they're like, they talked for like twenty minutes, and she's just like, "Okay, this is your Harley." Like that's that's this is the person that's gonna take over for me, basically. Oh man! And so she basically passed the torch to Tara Strong to play yeah. Harley Quinn. Man, and no, so I, with the exception of the Harley Quinn, I think it's that Harley Quinn, the Batman, the they did a Batman animated Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, where like Melissa Roush played Harley. Yeah. And it was the first time, I think Bruce Timm was talking about the fact this was the first time they'd actually cast somebody with a true New York accent. And I was just amazed by how she, Melissa Rosh kind of brought a different different vocal style to Harley. Right. So. One of my favorite line deliveries from Tara Strong was uh, when she and Joker were mutated by the ooze. And Arlene Sorkin... Thank you. Was the inspiration okay. Okay. for Harley Quinn, um, but uh, when they're both mutated by the ooze, Joker is a snake man. Harley Quinn is a hyena girl, and uh, Joker's all sad because Batman uh, wasn't there for him. And Harley's all like, "Oh, it's okay, Puddin. I like your scales." And then they yeah. have like a weird little gross snake hyena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, for those who don't know, that's from the Batman and the Ninja Turtles team up movie that they did. But uh, going so. back to my original point is it's fascinating to see that new voice actor who's going to be taking over for the new mantle of Darkwing Duck, both in canon and uh, behind the scenes as well. It's. I think it's so fascinating because when I was first listening to him, I was like, "That's mm-hmm. sad. it's so crazy how you could tell it's not Jim Cummings voicing this young guy. It's a whole other actor that's voicing this young guy. But he still has the same sort of energy and warmth that Jim Cummings had as Darkwing Duck. Mm. Great Delisle has voiced uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, I believe that. In uh, the Lego Batman, the video game. Uh, well, that's a okay. whole separate animal. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, Smiler mentioned something really interesting in the term legacy heroes. Uh, you guys remember back around 2015, 2016, when Marvel decided they were going to reboot everybody under their banner? You know, they made Tony Stark evil. He was a superior Iron Man. They had a new Cap. They had a new Thor who was Shane Foster. They had Riri Williams as the new Iron Man. You know, Doom at one point was an Iron Man, which I'm just like, okay, I don't get that at all, but sure. You know, and all these people were changed over, and and people at Marvel kind of fell on their face when they realized it wasn't working. You guys remember that? Uh, Yeah, I'm wondering where you're going with it. So DC has decided to double down on that same process. Okay. Uh, so you talk about legacy characters and how things have changed. So after the events of Darth Dark the uh, Dark Knight Death Metal, 
we have a situation where the coming in January and February, the DC universe is basically going to get a new reboot of sorts because according to the DC press release, they state that when this happens and when the end result comes through on the DC dark metal thing, that basically it's going to shake the foundations of the multiple realities. And so we're not just going to see different versions of new characters we love. We're also going to see the future, uh, future versions of some of these characters. And so they've got them blocked in about three different blocks. Basically, they've got the Bat family. They've got the Superman family. And then they've got the, I believe it's just the Justice block here. I'm just looking at the paperwork that I've got here. The Justice League family. So these are the three families that are primarily these books are going to be coming out in. And so in the Batman family, we have the future Gotham City. In this future, Gotham City is controlled by the magistrate. This villainous regime has taken over the city, now under constant surveillance. All mass vigilantes have been outlawed and Batman has been killed. But led by an all-new Batman, a new assembly of Gotham's guardians rise to give hope to all that have lost, who have lost it. And so you have the future state Batman, which they were saying before, back when this was 5G, because basically this is 5G redone. 5G was supposed to go on for a full year. And then they got rid of Dan, AT&T got rid of Dan DiDio, said, look, we're not putting a whole year on these characters that that we're not marketing currently. Like, we're currently trying to market Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman as they are. Why are we going to spend a year promoting new characters that are, look like them but aren't them? And so instead, I guess since they were working on this concept, they had to reshuffle it and refocus it, so they put it in two months what they were supposed to put out in a year's worth of time. So we have the Future State, the next Batman, which is a four-issue arc, uh, the prices of these are going to be seven ninety nine a piece for sixty four pages. You're going to get the next Batman stories in those. You're going to get the Outsiders, Arkham Knights, the Batgirls, and the Gotham City Sirens. So those stories will be in that book. You'll be paying basically eight bucks a month for four for four issues to get them. And so they're going to come out bi monthly, and of course their version of bi monthly would be of course two per month. Because they both come out in January. Two of them will come out in January. Two of them will come out in February. So you can see how the money is going to roll real quick if you're trying to keep up with these. Then they've got the dark, the future state dark detective, where we find out that apparently Bruce isn't dead like they thought he was. <laughs> so we've got at minimum right now two Batman. We've got Bruce Wayne that they think is dead, but he's not. And then we've got. This person that they keep redacting, but I'm pretty sure it's one of the Fox children. Uh, Lucius is Fox kids mm -hmm. that are in there, either Luke Fox or possibly another Fox child. And so then for the monthly minute, and though in the future state, Dark Detective 1 through 4 will be $5.99 a piece. And so that'll feature Dark Detective, the Grifters, and the Red Hood. So the Grifters, of course, if you remember Wildstorm back in the day with Wildcats. Uh, you had a character named Grifter. Well, now he's going to have his own team of Grifters with him. So, 
Um, That'll be interesting. There. Really quick, since I'm, since I was spending all this time like looking up the information, <clears throat> the original voice actress for Harley Quinn was Arlene Sorkin. Um, she okay. was also the visual inspiration for her because her and Paul Dini went to college together, and she did this performance where she dressed up as a Harley Quinn type clown, and from that he was all like, "Oh, Arlene would be really good for this." And so when they created Harley Quinn. They got her to be the voice. I don't see anything about her getting voice or throat cancer or anything like that. All it says is that she had retired. And uh, she retired after uh, doing Batman Arkham Asylum. And then after that, she retired from doing Harley Quinn. And Tara Strong picked up from that point forward in Arkham City, Arkham Origins, and Arkham Knight. I'll have to look and check just to make sure I've got that information correct. I'm pretty sure I saw an interview somewhere where they talked about that, but I'll have to check it and make sure. Yeah, all it says is that she, she has retired from acting. Well, that's a nice way for us to get back into legacy characters and talking about voice, <laughs> talking about Darkwing Duck again. Because <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I had no idea how I was going to hard segue back into that beyond just all like, hey guys, I'm not even going to try it. Let's go back and talk about Darkwing Duck <laughs> after I let Will go on. Because he heard legacy characters and then just told us everything. Yeah, because I hadn't heard, I, I knew Arlene like stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, and the, from the, the information that I found, it has to do with like, uh, a lot of like uh, acting strikes were happening and stuff around that time as well. Okay, and uh, and uh, possibly like doing the voice for long periods of time was grating on her, and yeah. she was kind of looking into retiring from acting in general. Yeah, and so that's those are the from the information that I've been looking up and reading for the past. I don't know, ten minutes or so. Yeah. Um. That's that's what I found. I didn't actually see anything that said anything about her getting like throat cancer or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted okay. to just present yeah. that information out there. Okay. So uh, so, my, so go ahead, Will. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say. So my point is, is that it's impressive. And I want to know what their process is in choosing a new voice for the legacy characters. Because they did that with Jim for Winnie the Pooh. Yep. Um, for Pete and a bunch of other characters. But Darkwing Duck, Jim loves Darkwing Duck. Yes. Like he holds that role so close to his heart because it's not a legacy character to him. He's the first voice. He's the first person to voice Darkwing Duck. And so he loves that character. And he loves bringing it up in conventions. Yeah, he does. And uh, so much of his own creative process went into the character. And so a lot of Darkwing Duck it has just Jim in its DNA. Mm-hmm. And it's just fascinating to for them to be all like we with this new Darkwing Duck we don't want him to be exactly like Jim, but we want him to still sort of emulate that kind of voice, right? And I saw a light go off in your eyes, bro. So you tell me what's good. I was just so like he 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 had so many legacy characters that he still voices to this day. Yes, that uh, they were characters that he didn't he wasn't the original voice actor for, yeah. but he is currently the voice actor for. Yeah. Uh, and he was hired on to to take over for the original actors. Yeah. And now with Darkwing Duck, he had 
he was the first voice actor for Darkwing Duck, so he had that very special place in his heart. But now there's another person. Now Darkwing Duck is a legacy character that he is the first of. And now there's other people. What a crazy situation he's got to find himself in. Right? I mean, honestly, when you were talking about uh, Tony Asalmo, yeah. uh, it got me thinking about, shoot, man, what if you ended up getting a gig over in an animation company of like Disney or something? Mm-hmm. And then the voice actor for a character that you love like, started grooming you without you knowing until those last days. Like, I... I I'd lose my mind. I know obviously. I know it's stretching and I know it's putting a bit more imagination than what's due. I just I don't know. I would have liked the parallel and I like the idea of uh, shoot man, it could have been anybody. Could have been. Could have been anybody. And now we've got Jim Cummings, who's still I'm like there's no way it's not gonna happen, who's still going to be part of the new Darkwing Duck. Right. Well, he is because he's yeah, the Megaduck. Because of stuff that because happens. Because of things that happen. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Sorry, I didn't realize I was jumping. I should have probably went ahead and let you let you guys finish on that before we got into the future state stuff. Yeah, he was moving on. I was just on. trying to... Gotcha. See, I was just, okay. Well, my I, thing was I, I was gotcha. trying to. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and my thing was I was trying to go because I know you guys got stuff to do too. I don't want to take too much time out of it you know to go oh, into that, it. No, kind of, we don't we don't have a hard timeline like we did last week yeah it's a soft timeline that, it's malleable that being said that's my bad will i thought i thought we were sidetracked i didn't know that you were moving on <laughs> no, to different topics that's, no, that's on me go, yeah, that's on me yeah i was trying to go into the main topic which was the future state yeah future, that's state. Okay. future state let's future state. sorry admittedly, uh, let's I didn't jump hear, back onto will's wagon that he's already ahead on admittedly will i didn't hear a lot of what you were saying because i was reading up on because you were researching this stuff with <laughs> <laughs> basically, to 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 chop this to the short of it, chop basically it we're getting a bunch of books that are going to be futurized versions of a bunch of characters. I mean, we're getting a futurized version of Catwoman, who may or may not be Selena Kyle. We're getting Harley Quinn, uh, who may be Harley Quinn in actuality, or it may be punchline under the makeup. We're not for sure. Uh, we're getting a couple of different Batman, uh, one being Bruce Wayne, but everybody thinks he's dead, and then. Versus this magistrate team of people, which, by the way, uh, I believe it's going to be Red Hood was being manipulated by the magistrate. And so he's kind of fighting the good guys. And so different things like that. Uh, We've got Teen Titans book that's going to have Red X in it. And, of course, the big mystery there is who's Red X? All we know is that he's a former student of the Titans. Uh, There's already been speculation that, well, nobody's mentioned Damian Wayne in any of this. So maybe it's Damon Wayne. Maybe Damon Wayne is Red X. I'm like, I don't care because the, when they mentioned this on the DC press junket, they made a point to state that they, they've even brought in Red X from Teen Titans Go, and I wanted to scream. I'm like, Red X was in the original Teen Titans cartoon, not the Teen Titans Go cartoon. They may have put him in that cartoon, but he didn't debut there. He debuted in the original Teen Titans show. Admittedly, the gag that they do in Teen Titans Go involving Red X was pretty it's pretty good. slick. <laughs> you know, so I'm just I uh, ignoring sorry. that. We're gonna, yeah, we're, we're gonna go back to um, Arlie Sorkin for a minute. I did not know she was married to Christopher Lloyd. 
It, she's married to a man named Christopher Lloyd. I don't think it's the Christopher Lloyd. Not the actor? No, it said like a producer or something. Oh, okay. So I saw Christopher Lloyd and thought it was the Christopher Lloyd. Let me double check here. Yeah, TV producer Christopher Lloyd. Not okay, to be so confused the with the actor Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. This right. this actor or th this producer Christopher Lloyd is only sixty years old. Ah, he's he's not uh, he's not the actor who is eighty one years old. <laughs> well, that, and that makes sense. Yeah. So we basically got a bunch of different characters. I mean, we're getting the new uh, Suicide Squad, which has an alternate version of the Justice League, basically as the Suicide Squad members. Like, I think Clayface is going to be mimicking Martian Manhunter, but, like, all the other people are dressed up like the main Justice League characters. You know what that reminds me of? What does that remind you of? That reminds me of the Dark Avengers. Huh. Yeah. Where Bullseye yeah. was Hawkeye, guys. and was Wolverine, and yeah. Norman Osborn was the Iron Patriot. Uh, Bullseye was Hawkeye. I said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what happened with me. That's right okay. There. Um... You know, it was all these guys that were like, "No, we're the Avengers, though." But it's actually those guys. I think I think Venom was there just to fill in for Spider-Man and stuff. I thought it was very interesting. But yeah, that that's yeah. what it makes me think of. Is like, no, it's the Avengers, though. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, well, like some of the stuff, like case in point, one of the books is uh, Superman. It, it's the Future State Superman. Or Superman World, I believe it's called Superman War World. It's like if it sounds familiar, it kind of sounds like Hulk. You know when Hulk goes off to do the Planet Hulk thing. Yeah, Superman Worlds at War is the series. This is, and um, I'll go over to it. They've got the uh, Superman of Metropolis, which apparently his son Jonathan, who's now almost fully grown, even though they introduced him like three years ago, is. Um, coming in and, and basically being the Superman of the world. So they've got Superman worlds at war. All right. And so this monumental future state title features four big stories. First, Clark as Kit is gone, leaving a Superman-shaped hole behind. People gathering in Smallville to celebrate their hero, little, re little realizing that he is across the galaxy helping others. Superman has gone to War World, where he fights as a gladiator in a deadly pit of Mongol. But this is a, this is Superman <laughs> we're talking about, and his idea of victory does not line up with the expectations of Mongol's hordes. Meanwhile, on the other side of War World, other agents are at work, struggling for a better life. Shiloh Norman, the man known as Mr. Miracle, has hidden a boom tube across the cosmos from Metropolis to, fi to, fi to find himself at odds with the entire planet. At the same time, Midnighter, the great fighter from Earth, is punching his way through a whole mess of trouble. He's on the hunt for a new energy source deadlier than kryptonite. His goal? To shut it down before it gets unleashed on an unsuspecting universe. And on top of that, the Black Racer, a girl in the slums of War World, is one of its top competitors, turns betrayal into a crusade to fight for the freedom of the others like her. One of the titles of one of these series is, is going to be Superman vs. Imperious Lex. 
And I'm like, can I just get an appearance of Namor just showing up, just screaming, and just tearing the Metropolis up for a whole, like, the whole issue, the whole series? And Alex Luthor trying to figure out how to stop a Marvel character that's not Superman, but pretty much like Superman, except he's water-based. And then when he says, why are you doing this? Because you're pretty much ripped off my catchphrase, Lex. I say Imperius Rex. Your title of your book is Imperius Lex. Come on. Does anyone not see the comparison here? Well, I mean, um, like, it's it's hard to to say because, you know, Latin is Latin and anyone can use Latin if they want to. Uh well, yeah, but do you really? I was making a joke. That's that's I don't why feel I, like I didn't hear yeah, I don't feel like Namor would care. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, you, you seem to be focused on that. Just, yeah, sorry, I got, I got, it was bothering me. Uh, Fair enough. But I think Jingles is right. I think that Latin being a dead. Yes, there are obvious parallels, but it does. It's not like Namor owns Imperius Rex. I don't know if you realize that Quicksilver and the Flash are really similar characters. What? <laughs> It's, Did you know that... It's like, if we keep drawing parallels between I know. Marvel and DC... It's like, they should fight! And I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> like, it's clear, like, there's a lot of rip-offs between the two companies. Oh, sure, have yeah. have been for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's been a lot of crossover. And, I mean, like, even, like, when the, like, um... All the like old gods and stuff that Jack Kirby came up with for Marvel and stuff, and then he went over to DC and did the same thing. Yeah, like, you know, there's, yeah. there's parallels there. No, I I liked I always liked the idea that Jack Kirby was too big for either company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he really was. He he put in so much blood and so many. Both Marvel and DC owe so much to Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. I remember. Um, Todd McFarlane was saying, like, when when all the boys left uh, Marvel uh, to go make Image. Yeah. And they went over to DC just to be like, yo, we're not working for you either. Yeah. <laughs> and, and DC was like, okay. <laughs> like, it was really just to, like, get I like that. Skin. I like yeah. that. Just to rub it in and put a thumb in the eye. <laughs> like, like, they called ahead and be like, yo, this, all of us, yeah, Jim Lee... Uh, Todd McFarlane, all the high-profile dudes. All these guys. We're gonna go over to talk to DC right now, and they're all like, "Oh my gosh, really?" And yeah. they're like, "Just let them in. Just let them in." A... And they came and be like, "Yo, yeah. we're not working for you either. We just left. Bye." And then they styled on out of there. <laughs> anyway, besides that, I remember uh, Todd McFarlane was saying like when they were getting started, uh, they called Jack Kirby's wife. Yeah. Um, because Jack was busy at the time. Yeah. He was still alive. He was just really old cool. at this point. Yeah. Um, and it was all like, yo, we want to see, because how uh, in Marvel they have Stan Lee Presents yes. like this. Yeah. I was like, we want to do something where it says Jack Kirby Presents, presents. for Image oh. and stuff. And uh, he, he, according to him, his wife like went to go talk with him really quick yeah. and came back. And she was just all like, yo, Jack says like, Good luck to you guys, and he, you have his blessing, but he's not going to do that. <laughs> that's too bad. And I was just all like, yeah, I get that. I, I like that he was still all like, you still have my blessing, yeah. though. Like, You're... you guys are doing pretty much, if, if I was born yeah. closer to your age, like, I would have done this, too. But yeah. I can't. Yeah. So, I was just very Jumping Jack Kirby. Yep. So. He was a great. He he was great, man. His art is still inspiring people today. Yep. But 
all that being so, said, and I, like, and I know, yeah, and I know DC and Marvel have a lot of comparison, but this event just seems like our almost copy and paste of the Marvel event from years ago, and I just don't think that <laughs> this is going to bode well for Mar- Warner and DC in the way they think that in the way they're thinking it's going to, and I really think this could end up being the nail in the coffin for DC Comics as far as Warner continuing to keep them on because they've already cut so much stuff, mm-hmm. and they've got to try to figure out how to get this money because I mean these companies are bleeding money right now, especially in a world where you can't really put out the movies you want to put out that are helping fund everything else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know man. How. I know that uh, DC Comics have been... <laughs> Sorry, I got caught up on DC <laughs> Comics. I know that the comics for DC, uh, they've struggled for a bit of a while now. And it seems like <clears throat> there's some sort of identity crisis with it right now. And Oh, bro, for the record... DC just means DC now. It doesn't mean Detective Comics. Really? Anymore. It just means DC. They yeah, just say they're all DC. So just saying DC Comics is fine also. Oh. I just wanted to let Why you know does that. that... That feels like it takes energy out of me. It, it took energy out of me when it I started it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it feels like that they're still struggling with some sort of identity crisis. Yeah. Which is kind of sad. And not to say that Marvel's got it all figured out because they're still trying to they, get this yeah. next generation figured out too. Right. But um, I don't know when it happened. Might have been with the start of the MCU. But it feels like DC is still playing catch up. Um, so from what I've been hearing from people that still read comics, like new comics as they come out. Yeah. And... Um, from from like comic critics yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. According to them, DC has been still putting out like really quality work. Yeah. Like really quality stories, art, and all that stuff that make good comics. Right. Like they're making good stuff, but you know, I don't know how many people are reading them. I'm not reading them. I am not. I'm not reading any comics really. Mm. Um, yeah. Pie Man. The three Jokers is phenomenal. Right. Um. Pie Man got me a couple of comics for my birthday that I haven't read yet because I've been so busy. Um, and he got me some. What did he get you? He got me um, the hardcover for the Harleen series. Oh, that's a beautiful series. Yeah. The artwork in there is so crazy too. Like I've got the three solo issues of that. Yeah. So I got he got me the hardcover for that, and I also have volume one of Batman Road to No Man's Land. So. Okay. Uh, I expect those to be good, uh, but I just haven't had the time to, to read them yet. Sure. Right. Um, but he got me those for my birthday, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I don't read comics these days, so like anything I hear, I hear from like third parties. Yeah. Of like, but and they're saying like, DC is making good stuff. Marvel's comics right now have have been pretty lackluster. Like, there's a couple of good ones here and there. I. I kind of yeah. I think of like DC as like um, uh, AEW, and that they got some amazing talent and amazing stories, but like there's still people that aren't it's quite still... watching. Their their name isn't as Not big. Many. Yeah, 
not as many names are on them. Not yeah. as many eyes are on them no, as they should be. Not as many people are yeah. looking at that. Yeah. Whereas everybody's looking at Marvel or WWE. Okay. But WWE yeah. has been struggling to get good quality stories and yeah. stuff like that. Same with Marvel. Been struggling. There's still some really good ones, yeah. like what happened with uh, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. Right. Like that yes. whole thing was amazing. Yeah. It was one of the best things that. WWE has put out recently. Yeah, it's so good. And it's still the going, Fiend, and it's still going. And the Fiend is really good too. Yeah, the Fiend's really good. Yep. But as a whole, the company is still kind of struggling with like, what are we trying to do, <laughs> Vince? What are we trying to do? Let's let's get some more giant men in there. <laughs> we need we need more oily men. <laughs> We're gonna bring Lars Sullivan back. Do you really want to do that, Vince? He's been really problematic. He said a bunch of homophobic, racist stuff, and then there was that movie that's out there of him. We'll figure it out. Just get him back in the ring. Let him destroy everybody in the ring. That's all. Do. Well, I know. We'll get no, no. We'll get New Jack back. <laughs> I don't think anybody no. thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> Vince, stop! Stop, Vince. <laughs> Triple H just goes. It's like, listen, 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 Vince. We know. You're starting to go through some stuff in your old age. We know. It's okay. It's okay to walk away. You can trust us. We got this. Mm-hmm. No, I and got then this. He just comes back in the, yeah, and he just comes back in the room like James Brown. You know, James Brown, you know, they would used to put the cape on him and try to walk him out. And he just mm-hmm. comes back in the room and dances for like another 10 minutes. And then they put a cape on him again. Yeah. No, no, and no. He tries, they try to walk him off and he comes back. He doesn't dance. He gorilla walks his way in. That's right. <laughs> he does this crazy gorilla walk. But yeah, by like, the way, fun fact about Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon eats burritos at least three times a week. But in a press meeting that they did like within the last six months ago, um, they were doing a storyline pitch. You know how they did the thing with uh, with uh, Montez Ford mm-hmm. where, I don't know if you know, but they did the thing with Montez Ford where somebody, quote, poisoned his drink. And he got sick during a match. And so then he couldn't continue to compete in the match and then he lost. And somebody suggested, hey, instead of putting something in his drink, why don't we give him, like, mess, like burritos that have been messed with? And he got, Vince got angry. Like, they were like, what's wrong? Why is he mad? He goes, and he finally he comes out and he's like, what the hell is a burrito? Huh. And they're like, Vince, uh burrito is a thing wrapped in meat. And, it, it, and he's just upset. He didn't know what a burrito was, even though he eats one three times a week. Uh-huh. But he had never heard it termed as a burrito. Hence, he did not know what a burrito was. And they kept trying to explain it to him. But he was just like, no, 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 that's stupid. Just put something in his drink. <laughs> and storms out. And it's just like, and then they literally brought him a burrito like three hours later for mm-hmm. lunch. And it's just like, it blows my mind that somebody at 70 years old doesn't have a concept of what a burrito is. But he eats them almost, he eats them several times a week. I think we I think we underestimate how insane Vince McMahon is. Or he can be, yeah. <laughs> he can be, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Another fun fact. Apparently the reason he doesn't let his, he doesn't let facial hair grow on his face is because he doesn't want the hair to win. <laughs> so he keeps his face shaved so that the hair never gets out. Win what? Yeah, what is, what is the what is the hair? Versus him. Versus him. I won't be defeated. I will never have will anything on top hair. of me against my will. Nothing will pin me. <laughs> Not even hair on my face. 
But yeah, like, I wonder if sometimes when Braun Strowman is out there, I wonder if he's secretly wanting to like trim his beard. Mm-hmm. Like if he's just walking, I can see like Braun Strowman walking backstage and then is sneaking around with tripper with uh, clippers, mm-hmm. trying to shave his beard and missing like Wally Coyote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a good parallel you made earlier, though, bro. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I think. Yeah. It's like. You know, not a lot of, not as many eyes are on AEW as there are on WWE. In the same vein, not as many people are, are, have their eyes on what DC's comics are putting out right now. As opposed to what Marvel's putting out right now. And then every once in a while, out of nowhere, Image puts out a hitter. Yeah, nobody's... Just, just a showstopper. Nobody's paying attention to No, nobody's paying attention to Image, but... Every once in a while, I got a funny feeling that's gonna probably change once the. I got a funny feeling that's gonna change once Invincible comes out too, because I think a lot of people are gonna be going back and trying to find back issues of Invincible. No problem. No, no. My point is, is that their batting average, like for home runs, isn't the same as the other ones. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. because I can name basically two, uh, massive image properties, and you know. I'm willing to accept that there are more that I've forgotten. Mm -hmm. But the two biggest ones I can think of are Spawn and The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, Witchblade had a TV show that was pretty popular. Oh, Witchblade. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm willing to accept. Savage Dragon had a high profile of Spawn and Walking Dead. Right. I don't think anybody's reached quite that high, but I yeah. think a lot of people really like Witchblade. Oh, at yeah. least the TV show. It's, a, it's got a strong enough following that it even got an anime and a manga adaptation. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Wow! Those visuals are different. <laughs> and Wildcats had a cartoon, too. Wildcats did have a cartoon, but it wasn't... It, I don't think it was pretty popular. Again, like as anything as high-profile yeah. as Definitely that. nothing as, yeah. as big as... High the profile spot or Walking Dead. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess Kingsman did pretty well as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah but again, a lot of people don't realize that Kingsman was an image book written by Mike Millar. Yeah, or Mark Millar. I mean, come on, man, uh, Kickass. Kickass was originally yeah. Kickass was originally Image, and then I think Mark Millar's company went back and reprinted the books. Mm-hmm. Once he did his own company, but right. then the original moniker, the original thing was Image. So. Right. In a way, I, mean, I sort you know, of appreciate these artists and these uh, creators getting their start with Image and then moving on to trying their own companies. Oh, and the beautiful thing about that, too, is with the Image stuff, at least, they own their stuff. Yeah, that's so So if they want to keep printing it with Image, they can do that. But, like, Marvel, DC, it's like you can create the world, and they're, they own it all. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can't walk away and do anything with it. So, yeah. you know... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long, like, let's say in our case, I don't know how long Atomic Derby is going to be punching above its weight class. Mm-hmm. But I know that it's something that we're just going to have to deal with. Right. As as of right now, starting off, I'm not expecting to, yeah. like, make much of anything yeah. with Atomic Derby. Like, I don't think that we're going to be making money right away. Yeah. If it becomes popular and successful, then we could see about making... Uh, uh, like, I know what you mean. Trades, yeah, trades, whatever. trades, and then hardback. We hardback have a whole plan for we that. We have a plan for that, but only yeah. if, if only our if it ends up, yeah, idea actually like takes off, yeah, to what we want. I'm not gonna lie. I just want a trade of Atomic Derby just to hold. I would love to just, just for me just even. have it on the shelf here next to all this other stuff. We yeah, have. yeah. 
And then you point at it and say, I made that. Yeah. I'd love to be we able to that. just do that. On y'all's yeah. case, it'd be, we made that. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. I made that. Yeah. <laughs> you made that? Yeah. I made this. I made this. But it probably helps. It probably helps to fuel our dreams a little bit because we picked up uh, of the re released volumes of uh, the original Ninja Turtles comic. Yeah. Ooh. It's been a good read. Yeah. It's so it's fast that you uh, re released it. Yeah. So we got we got like some of the first issues of that indie comic that exploded oh, in popularity. That little indie comic that blew up and took oh that's a, and that's a juggernaut in and of itself. That was an indie comic that that Archie was doing it for a while, and then now you know IDW's doing it, and they're adding more to the mythos. And so I mean, it's you it's know. really cool to think about. So I really wonder. I'm really hoping that. DC gets what they want out of this. I'm not quite for sure what the goal is other than to survive mm-hmm. and put out this product that they had already been working on. Because, I mean, if you're working towards something and then all of a sudden the company tells you, okay, stop, we're not doing it this way, you got to kind of figure out how to restructure it because it's not like you can get that time back and do a whole new series. Mm-hmm. Like at some point you're going to run out of ideas if you don't put out what you've already got going. You know, and so I mean, when you look at this, I mean, that's the thing. But one thing, I want to ask you guys a question mm-hmm. real quick. I want to talk about a sponsor real fast, a new sponsor. A new sponsor. New sponsor, yes. So, you guys talk about Atomic Derby, and one thing I think is interesting is skills are important. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's jingles and writing, whether it's Smider, uh, jingles and drawing and helping collaborate, with, or Smider with writing and things like that. Are there other skills that you all feel like you would want to develop as y'all are working on this? Oh, gosh. Well, there's all kinds of uh, skills that I wish I could develop. There's stuff just in drawing in and of itself. There's stuff that I want to focus on, like getting better at coloring, getting better at form, Mm -hmm. getting better at anatomy, getting better at value, getting better at just shading and backgrounds and uh, drawing objects instead of people and all this other stuff. But... Boy, oh boy, I don't know where there's a place where I could learn all of that You kind see, of stuff. and for me, I'm on the opposite end. I need no other skills. No other skills are... <laughs> I can no longer require acquire any other skills into my life. I have reached the peak. Uh, there is no... However, if there was a way that I could maybe share my skills out with other people, <laughs> hey, maybe, that, maybe that'll work out for me too. But what, what do you think, Will? Yeah, where, where would they... Where, where would, would that... Where, how could we work with that? like that? I have been able to be a part of the Skillshare family for a little bit of time. And I honestly say I feel like that my art has gotten better as a result of it. My understanding of shape language has gotten better. My understanding of positioning has gotten better. As far as trying to do backgrounds and stuff and things like that, it helps as well. And the thing about it that's really cool is, is that you can go on there. And I mean, whether you want to learn about crocheting or physics, you know, you can go and type in their search window one place. You go and type it in, and you've got all your teachers teaching different things. So you get to decide which courses you take. And then you go through the process and take the courses. You've got little assignments you can do, and you can upload them and send them in and different things like that. And you'll get honest evaluation on those things. So Skillshare has allowed is sponsoring the show now, and they are allowing us currently, and I say currently because there's more things coming as time goes on as we get closer to the holidays. They're allowing us to give away two free weeks of Skillshare Premium. 
And nice. if you go in and c- click on the link and sign up for that two weeks, you don't have to sign up beyond that. If you're like, you know what, I don't want to spend money on this. I just want to do the two weeks. That's fine. That helps contribute to the show. Okay, that helps us out. Just you clicking the link and sign up for a free trial. And you nice. do the two weeks, and then, you know, you'll get an email reminder. I believe it's about three days before the time period ends. That way, if you want to cancel it, you can go ahead and cancel it and not feel bad, you know, whatever. And that little bit helps the show each time you click and sign up for that free trial. What that I, helps us out. What so. I want to know is if we could split the two weeks between me and Jingles. He gets one week, I get one week. Or is there a way that we can just give different people a single day out of those two <laughs> weeks? <laughs> you know, I wish it was that way, but I'm pretty sure it's two weeks for each email that signs up. Oh, all right. is, both of you, Both of you can get two weeks yourselves. And then Ooh. you can pass the link on to other people, and they can get two weeks themselves. What a deal! So, yeah, there you go. So Skillshare, guys, in the link in the description, click the link. When you click the link, you'll get a chance to try out Skillshare for two weeks absolutely free. And like I said, even if you don't decide to stay with it, you know, there, there are people that teach you how to cook things. They're teaching how to people to write things. There are people that teach you all sorts of stuff. If you're trying to learn something, especially in this land of quarantine... If you're learn, trying to learn something, Skillshare is the place you can go learn it all. Okay? So go check it out with us. Hey, guys. It's Will. I just want to first of all say thank you so much for being fans and thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. But just so you know, if you enjoy the Rascal Bros with me on these podcasts, trust me when I tell you that their podcast, Mythos Podcast, takes the volume and cranks it up to like 11. So, if you want to get in on an awesome podcast about geeky pop culture things, musical things, anything your nerd heart may desire, then by all means, go check out Mythos Podcast. I'm sure those guys would greatly appreciate it, and I know I will as well. So, take care, guys, and see you back in for the next part of this episode. All right. And I appreciate all of you for doing that I really do so thank you in, in advance for that so I do want to just finish up the the the, the I'm not going to go through the titles uh, what I'm going to do is just finish up the synopses on the three the three main arcs of this so that did the Batman family one and like I said it looks like there's about two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. there's eight books over the course of two months that are going to be coming out uh, monthly or bi-monthly. And then Superman Family is going to be the same way. It says, due to his involvement with an international crisis happening in the near future, Clark Kent has been rejected by Earth, causing him to focus his life-saving efforts outside of his adopted home. He travels to War World to rise through the ranks as a gladiatorial combat, of gladiatorial combat in order to defeat Mongol with the help of some unlikely heroes. Back in Metropolis, Clark's son, John, has taken on the mantle of Superman. After seeing the horrors that befall Gotham, he battles Metropolis, he bottles Metropolis in order to keep it safe, putting him at odds with Supergirl. Connecting the two oversized future state Superman titles, Shiloh Norman, the man known as Mr. Miracle, finds himself caught between the city he grew up in and the battle-torn planet, which could be his downfall. Meanwhile, in the Amazonian rainforest, Yara Vlor is chosen to be the new Wonder Woman. 
Years later, the super, the new Superman and Wonder Woman join forces to save their cities and a superhero team up the likes of which the world has ever seen. And there's also a book in this series called The Immortal Wonder Woman that actually has Diana Prince and uh, Nubia. Nubia, if I'm not mistaken, was like one of the first original drafts of Wonder Woman that they did where she was more Egyptian-African based. And so she'll be in the books. She'll be in the books with the the Immortal Wonder Woman books. And then the last big arc is the Justice League family. A thread of great change runs through the Justice League heroes. A new league is built upon secret identities, even from each other. But an old and evolved enemy will use their secrets to try to overthrow the world. For the supernatural heroes of the Justice League Dark. The very fabric of reality has shifted, and heroes are being hunted. For Flash, Shazam, and the Teen Titans, it all begins when the four riders of the apocalypse unleash hell on the Battle of the Titans Academy. Barry Allen has cut off from the Speed Force, a famine-controlled Wally West may be beyond saving, and Billy Batson makes a deal with the devil that will change Shazam forever. Off-world, Jon Stewart and the remaining Green Lanterns are stranded in a shadow of a dead, uh, of a dead power battery. Jackson Hyde and Andy Curry are separated across the galaxy, and Amanda Waller executes her ultimate plan with a new, terrifying but terrifyingly similar Suicide Squad on Earth-3. At the end of time, Swamp Thing reveals its true intention, ruling supreme until a remnant of humanity launches a rebellion, and Black Adam looks to the past as the only way to save the future of the multiverse. So those are the primary setups for these series that are going to be coming out over the course of January through February. So, I just want your thoughts on these. I know, I'll, I'll tell you one real quick that I find is just funny and fits so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Green Lantern title that they're doing. And this should be Future State. No. Okay, here we go. So the Future State Green Lantern has the Last Lanterns, the Book of Guy, the Talking Sector. The Book so of those Guy. Those are the three base story. The Book of Guy. Oh, it gets even funnier. Assigned to map and contact new life forms past the 3,600 known sectors of space protected by the Green Lantern Corps, Jon Stewart and an elite team of lanterns are trapped beyond enemy li- behind enemy lines and fighting for their lives when the central, pat- central power battery goes dark and leaves the entire core defenseless. Meanwhile, across the cosmos, Green Lantern Jessica Cruz finds herself powerless and is forced to battle the invading Yellow Lanterns of the Sinestro Corps, and Guy Gardner, trapped on a dis- uh, distant world, decides to reopen the Warriors' Bar. So while everybody else is on the verge of dying, Either by being pinned behind enemy lines or having to fight Yellow Lantern, of course, Guy decides to open up the Warriors Bar again. Mm-hmm. Hence the Book of Guy. <laughs> That's silly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Book you know. of Guy! <laughs> as if Guy needs to have his, uh, his ego inflated as anymore. Soon as, as soon as they confirmed Guy Gardner for the new Green Lantern show, Jingles was rolling his eyes. Yeah. I can't yeah. see him. I don't like him at all. Um, 
I don't think Guy can stand himself. <laughs> hey, do you think if Guy like was trapped in a hall of mirrors, he would just fight himself to death? <laughs> You're not going to get me, Guy. <laughs> the only person I knew that could take me down, myself. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, that that this gives DC what they want. I hope they're able to. I honestly thought they were just going to trade these in the trades and sell them as trades. Mm-hmm. And in that way, they could tell the stories they wanted to tell and then basically set themselves up for after the fact. Because we know Death Knight, the Death Knight series ends in January. Mm-hmm. So the last oh, issue does? of Death Knights will literally, yeah, the, the, the last issue of Death Knights will end... Uh, literally the same week that the the first book comes out for the series, they all drop the same day. Mm-hmm. So there's actually two bookends that aren't mentioned, and they didn't talk about them in the thing. You have to go look at the solicits, where it has like I believe it's the Champions of the Unknown, and then the Return of the Unknown is the is the bookend. And so the book starts it, and then they have the Batman one. And so with everything I've said there was a person that went through and factored up how much it would cost to get this whole series. And so to get the whole series as it is right now, for them to print these books out, it's going to be over $200 to get the whole thing. So if somebody says, I want all the future slate, future state stuff in my pull box, just the regular versions, Mm -hmm. because they all have card stock cover variants by different artists that are a dollar more per issue. If you get the alternate cover, Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, of course, the Jim Lee covers are all going to be alternate arts. Right. Because uh, I know they're doing a Jim Lee for the Batman one. I know they're also doing a Jim Lee one for Nightwing. Uh, the Robin Eternal, I think, is going to get a Jim Lee at some point. You know, so Jim Lee just could get pick and choose which ones he wants because, of course, he's Jim Lee. Right. But, you know, and that's the thing about it, too. It's like if you go and get the alternate versions, you know, bump that up by another, you know, bump that up by another dollar per book. And so that's going to be closer to 250 probably or more. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking at a price level and going, I would not have this in a full box because I'd go broke, especially considering this is literally is just over the course of two months. Mm-hmm. It's not spread out over six months. If it was six months worth of stuff, it wouldn't be as bad. And they just broke the stories up into, because a lot of these, like I said, they have multiple stories in them. Mm-hmm. So if you just said, okay, we're going to do a series on, like a series that I'm kind of interested in is the Batgirl series, but you got to buy the all new Batman book to get the Batgirl series mm-hmm. because Cassandra Kane is back as Batgirl, but then uh, what's her name? What's her name? Stephanie Brown is back as like an auxiliary Batgirl. So like they're working together trying to figure out stuff in Gotham City and how to take down a magistrate. Mm-hmm. Like that story would be awesome for me by itself because I like Cassandra Kane. I'm okay with Stephanie Brown, but I like Cassandra Kane more. But I can enjoy that. But no, I gotta go buy this seven ninety nine book for four issues just to get this story. You know, it's just like it's just a lot of money that's gonna get tied up into it. And like I said, I understand it from a standpoint of DC has got to make money because they got to show Warner that they can make money. You know, because the reality is, if they can't, they're not going to be 
you know, and, and it would not be hard for Time Warner and AT&T to say, we're going to license these books out to Image. Mm-hmm. And we're going to let Image write these books for us. We're just going to have the properties for the movie so that we can continue making movies off of these characters. Because obviously be you don't have to have the books. Obviously you don't have to have the books lined up with the comics at all. Because Marvel has shown us that. You know, because yeah, I remember I whenever, like, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't know, man. That's a hell of a split. Mm-hmm. That is a hell. The idea of Warner Brothers, yeah, I mean, because they're just so intrinsically tied with DC. Because I, I don't know when the partnership started, but it's been a strong partnership throughout these decades. Well, they Warner Brothers bought them a while ago. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't yeah, know when it happened. Back. I don't know when it happened, but... Honestly, I was expecting DC to go the way of Marvel and just eventually make enough money for themselves to stand up on their own two feet. But they're not. And if it ends up coming down to what I personally would see only as a catastrophic situation where they're all like, we don't need the comics anymore. Mm -hmm. All we need is the movies of Superman and Batman. We don't need DC to touch these things anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're just going to throw them away to image. I don't I don't know, man. Cuz we're talking about the most high profile comic book characters of all time. Right. And like the idea that Warner is now sticking their nose into the comic book part, mm-hmm. which I only ever felt that DC was in control of. Um it seems like almost, and I'm probably overstating this quite a bit, it seems like a catastrophic sort of suicide mm-hmm. to cut off the source. If I'm like completely honest, yeah, I feel like the DCEU has harmed comic book sales more than helped them. Fascinating. No, because, go, go ahead. Because so many people are like, these movies say, are yeah. awful. These are these are not good movies. Yeah. And like people are then gonna be like, well, they're comic space. There there's comics for them as well. People are gonna be like, oh I'm not interested because that movie was kind of bad. And you know what's interesting? I can see that from the common person that doesn't know anything about right. these. Obviously us right. like, comic fans, yeah. like we're going to buy it if we, we yeah. already know. Well, like, our brains uh, understand that. <laughs> we're for us, we go into watching these movies going all like, well, I know what they what this is based on, and I read it. And but it's good. The, what it's based on is good. What they're doing is not good. Yeah. Like what Zack Snyder has been doing is not good. <laughs> I feel like Zack Snyder has actively... Co- harmed sales of DC comics by interesting. by the movies that he's been making that honestly even the common folk are like I didn't like that movie yeah whereas like Marvel has yeah. been killing it but apparently we've placed the Snyder cut of Justice League on some sort of hollowed pedestal like it's going to like, be amazing and it's going to fix it yeah no, it's just going to be more of the same problem. <laughs> With that weird gray potato man that is dark side in yeah. the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I am I understand, look, I understand Zack Snyder had a different plan, and then 
you know, his daughter went through what she went through, and then he had to kind of leave and deal with that. And I don't ever want to put anything against him in that regard. But what I will say is I don't feel like the movie that we ended up getting with what Joss Whedon was able to piece together was a whole lot different than what we got. What would we got? We would have gotten originally had Zack not have been allowed to finish. I feel personally that if if um, Zack did not go through the personal tragedy that he did, yeah, and was able to just keep making um justice league the way that he wanted to yeah um it was not going to be the same as what joss whedon made yeah but it was going to be about the same as batman v superman and man of steel in its quality yeah and not be really good yeah surface level surface level oh gosh what's the word i'm looking for uh i don't want to throw around the term grimdark because Mm -hmm. that's sort of vague yeah but it would have been surface level um nihilistic mm-hmm. it would have been surface level deconstructionism of superman batman of the justice league right it would have been yeah. it would have been dark with no substance mm-hmm. with no real right. passable substance beneath what we're already seeing and that was a problem that was indicative of, like, just like Jingle said, Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about it uh, on the perspective of, yeah, I never thought, because, I mean, the the term uh, any news is good news mm-hmm. is thrown around a lot, and any exposure is good exposure, mm-hmm. as long as it gets people talking. But I never thought about just by the sheer volume of how much controversial and disliked DC content <laughs> is, mm-hmm. like, in terms of the movies. I never thought about, like, shoot. That would actually... Re- that has potential to really skew somebody's perspective on these characters. Yep. And to really yeah. make them... And really make them unlikable. Yeah. Because the best attributes of Superman are in the comics. The best Superman yeah, stories uh, are still... Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like sad. The Man of Tomorrow. Have you guys had a chance to watch the Superman Man of Tomorrow movie yet? No. No. Remember, we don't watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm I mean, kidding. I'm it's, kidding. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's an animated thing. Um... Yeah. No, I, I haven't seen any of the of the animated stuff. Uh, is any of it on Netflix? If the answer is no, no, then we haven't seen it yet. But let me see what I can work out. I think I might have a way to fix that. Mm. That's not important. I, we, we'll that, we'll talk about that offline. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I feel like that the I feel like that the um, at the end of the day, I really just feel like that. Warner Media and AT and T have really gotten in the ears. I mean, with the layoffs and the firings and stuff like that, they're basically coming in and strong arming it, saying you need to make us X amount of dollars or we don't need you. And so I feel like DC's response to this is, well, we worked on this. How can we repackage it and make it make money? And then you got to factor in the fact too. This is January or February. You already announced at DC Fandom that you were bringing back Milestone in February. Are you going to still be able to do that, or are you just going to disregard what you initially stated and then push it back further? Because the whole point of re-releasing Milestone in February, of course, is Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And so 
I don't. I've not seen a whole lot of marketing other than them revealing that Michael B. Jordan apparently wants to come. Or it's been announced as uh, the executive producer for the new Static Shock movie that they're wanting to work on. I'm all right with that. Hey. Michael B. Jordan's one of us. <laughs> so yeah, and so we'll see he how that goes. Like I said, I just... No, I was just gonna make make the funny of like on Facebook he corrected somebody making a Dragon Ball Z reference. Yeah. Yeah, oh really? Michael B. Jordan. I didn't see it was, that. It was so cool because like it, it showed him as like Killmonger and stuff. And they're all like, yes. "Hey, have you noticed that that armor looks kind of like Vegeta's armor?" Mm-hmm. And like somebody, somebody threw out a quote and they miss, they uh, misinterpreted the quote. And then Michael B. Jordan responded to that person. And he was all like, "Actually, Vegeta does this." Yeah. But I understand your confusion if you don't know that stuff all that well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dang, dang! <laughs> all right, Dad. There you go. One of us. One of us. Mother. What if Michael B. Jordan was one, one of us? us. <laughs> like a nerd, like one of us. <laughs> oh, he was also the executive producer behind Genlock, which was done by Rooster Teeth. So I remember that Genlock uh, is and okay, a, and and was the voice of the main character. Yep. So yep. Uh, I want to so, shake his hand and me, see how quickly he could break mine. Me and Rooster Teeth haven't gotten along for a few years, but that's okay. I, I understand. They, I hope they do all right. Look, it's really awkward War- whenever we go to dinner parties and then Jingles and Rooster, Rooster Teeth, Teeth happens there, to be over and I'm there. I'm just so like, oh man. Because Rooster Teeth is all like, uh, hey, Jingles, uh, hey man, haven't seen you since uh, you watched Red vs. Blue. And then we started getting really dramatic with it for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Rooster Teeth. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see you, but uh, uh, I gotta I gotta go. Hey, you gonna watch uh, Ruby? Oh, you gonna watch uh, Ruby? N- no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about yeah. Gen- Jingles? Jingles, where are you going? I gotta I gotta go do a thing. Where are you gotta go? Are you gonna watch Genlock later? Uh, no. I'm not. <laughs> uh, congrats on acquiring uh, Castle Super Beast and uh, Death Battle. Good for you. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rooster Teeth is another one kind of under the under the guise of Warner Media. Them trying to figure out whether they're going to try to roll them into HBO HBO Max or whatnot because mm-hmm. it's just it's like I said, Warner Media, AT and T. They're just concerned about the do- bottom line. And I get it from a business aspect. I don't get it as a fan of comics because it makes me feel like that this much pressure. Jim Lee and them just may throw their hands up in there and say, okay, you know, we just can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. We're not just supposed to be producing stuff. Because that's the thing. Like, I remember growing up and reading Crisis on Infinite Earths, The Dark Knight Returns, uh, <laughs> Death in the Family, you know, things like that, where it's just like, okay, they took these characters that we know and they did something new with them, but it was the same characters. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like they were having to reboot stuff every six months to a year. Yeah. As far just as just stories. we're create a whole new slew of characters. Just exactly. What do good storytellers do? Good storytellers find ways to reinvigorate the characters they're working on. Right. Bad storytellers just tend to want to throw a bunch of other stuff out there and just be like, okay, here's a bunch of stuff we're going to throw at the wall and see what sticks. Yep. They'll yeah. throw a bunch of stuff and occasionally remind you of the good stuff and be like, you remember that good stuff? One of the most frustrating things I find about American comics, specifically uh, DC and Marvel, 
is that they will throw out these ideas of new legacy characters and then uh, I always consider it a time bomb. Like, there's no way any real hero actually retires. Mm. Yeah. These are only temporary solutions that they're going to stick with until they decide, no, look, see, Clark Kent is back. Bruce Wayne is back. They're all back. All the first iterations of these heroes are back. Right. They're they're never actually going to dedicate to new legacy heroes permanently taking over the role. Right. And that is so right. frustrating to me. Because Hence how they treat Wally West. They just did hence, a big storyline in the comics where Wally West supposedly killed like four or five people. It's just like, so how do you redeem that? And then they redeemed him. They basically, Dr. Manhattan gave him some of his abilities, and all of a sudden he's like, Dr. Manhattan-level stupid power, accessible speed force stuff. Mm-hmm. He basically saved the world. And then now this new thing, he's possessed by wrath from the four horsemen of the apocalypse in DC, and so now he's a bad guy again? I'm like, can we not keep ruining these people? Well, I mean, the, the Bat family, the Flash family... And the House of L, they're all the best examples of what frustrates me about that. Mm-hmm. Is that they make you think that, look, anybody can wear the mantle of the Flash and Superman and Batman. Look, see, the next generation is taking over and they're going to be taking on the mantle from now on. And it's a massive, uh, kind of a lie. Mm-hmm. Because no matter what, they still have the first generation stick around. Yeah, they're always there. They're always yeah. there, and eventually the stories are about that first generation again. What I want is that I want the original generation to retire so that we can have that new generation rise up and see if they can actually match those stories. But the problem is, is that because they have such a habit of abandoning those new generations and just relegating them to sidekicks or side stories rather than the main narratives, it it makes it that there's no point in having these new characters. It makes them redundant. When the worst case kinda... is that it, with Wally West, because mm-hmm. we love Wally West. I love Wally West. I would have loved it if... This is going to sound incredibly cynical and mean, mm-hmm. but I think you guys know where I'm going with this. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I would have preferred it if Barry Allen would have stayed dead. Honestly. After and while it could have big, just been the Flash. Yeah. At, after, the, after the incredible sacrifice of giving himself to the Speed Force mm-hmm. to save everyone, you could have capped his story right there. Mm-hmm. And let yep. Wally continue to just be the Flash from now on until he trains up Impulse to take over. Right. Right. But they, pass the legacy on. Yeah. But the thing is, is that in the long run, because they're all like, no, people like Barry and they like Kal-El and they like Bruce Wayne. Just bring them back. And, you know, that's a trope that we make fun of in mm-hmm. the comic book industry. But if you sit down and you think about it in a more critical sense, that's only serving to sort of hinder whatever sort of create creative stories you might be able to tell with a new character. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that's incredibly frustrating to me. 
I believe that every good character and every good story needs an end. Right. I also feel like because they they they've done it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Like um, after um, that first thing that that caused from <laughs> the um, Justice Society and then the Justice League mm-hmm. and that like parallel the two different worlds. So there's two different flashes. Yeah. And stuff, and then they kind of combine it together to make one yeah. universe. Yeah. Where there was mm-hmm. an old Flash, and then there was. Barry Allen, it yeah. was Jay Garrick, and then there was Barry Allen, and mm-hmm. then, you know, all that other stuff. And then Barry Allen was the Flash from that point moving forward. Yeah. Uh, Alan Scott, you know, and then Hal Jordan, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, all that. And then Hal Jordan is Green Lantern, but then they also get uh, other better versions like Wally West and Jon Stewart. Right. You know? Which are just better than those other characters in pretty much every way. And you know what's interesting? It's just like how they're written. Mm-hmm. How they're written to to have just as many flaws as the original heroes, but they happen to overcome those errors. Right. And then there's also been missteps like uh, Kyle Rayner and yep. you know some other characters mm-hmm. like that. That white know. guy. A guy gardener, <laughs> um, you know, no one's perfect, and so, like, um, it, it's hard because obviously Marvel has attempted to do similar stuff as well, and then have been met with a lot of backlash. Yeah, um, like it's, especially when they killed Hulk, and then I guess now Jen Walters Hulk now, so she's not just She Hulk, she's just Hulk now, and and. Uh, you know, they killed off uh, Peter Parker. We got Miles Morales. Admittedly, that's, that's, that's probably the most successful that's one. Easily the most successful. The most one. The yeah. most frustrating about it is that that feels like the exception. Yeah, it is an exception, and that's it's right. not, that frustrates me. It's man. not the uh, the rule. The rule. Yeah. It's just the exception, and that sucks. Yeah, it does. Well, it kind of. It, it kind of makes me think, you know, you brought the wrestling analogy earlier, and mm-hmm. I saw I think about, you know, the whole idea of, imagine, okay, so Triple H, of course, has daughters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so imagine a moment where there is a mixed uh, match challenge, you know, something happens down the line, and Shane's <laughs> wife and, and one of his sons goes after Triple H and one of his daughters. And so then all of a sudden they go through the thing, like the daughter's got the, the Triple H's daughter's got Shane's wife on the ropes and she's getting ready to tap out. And just as she's getting ready to tap out, Triple H comes in and like tags his daughter. The refs recognize it's a tag. They're at WrestleMania over millions of people and the daughter's supposed to be the one getting over because she's got the career going forward. But instead, Triple H tags himself in. They end up tagging in, you know, and then, of course, uh, Shane's son has to get in the ring. Triple H comes up, pedigrees, and puts him down one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the whole point of this is that your daughter was supposed to go over. Why are you doing the pinfall? <laughs> yep. Like, you know, but it's because the idea that Triple H, in that instance, wouldn't be willing to let go of that whole idea that he's the legacy and it's built around him. And it feels the same way when you look at stuff like, okay, well, Jonathan Kent's supposed to take over. I'm still trying to figure out how they age him up that fast in two years. Like, I know they did the thing where he was in Krypton for a little while and he got older. Because there's a scene where him and Damien and Super Sons, Damien goes off. Like, Damien's like, you're not my friend. 
He's like, yes, I am. I know you. Explain to me how I'm still this short and this small and this young looking and you're like 16. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that even work? He's like, I got stuck in a phantom zone with my grandfather. It's a long story. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't believe you. It's like Damon just throws something. Like, he keeps throwing stuff at him. He just keeps, of course, he's John. Mm-hmm. So, of course, John's just letting him get his anger out. He's just like, I'm not going to fight you. Like, like this is me. You know, he spends half of the episode trying to issue, trying to convince him he's him. Mm-hmm. And finally, Damon's like, okay, so let's say I believe this. Where's our favorite place to go eat? Next thing you know, they're they're on the roof of their favorite place they go eat, and that's when Damon accepts that he's Jonathan Kent, just a lot older. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's just, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I, I'm hoping, like I said, at the end of the day, I hope DC gets what they need out of this, and I hope that they're able to have a better idea. Because the problem is, what happens after this? Like, if this is spawned out of death metal, what happens after this? Because there's nothing on the plate past this point other than potentially some of these characters. Like, I think Red X will probably get a book out of it. Because I think Red X is popular enough that people will actually go and support that title just because he's in the Teen Titans books just because he's in them. Maybe. I don't know. I don't you know. know. But I think part of it, too, is just time. Like, how long has it been since the last, since Red X was in an animated thing that people have seen? You know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I hope for yeah. the best. Always hope for the best, because at the end of the day, I don't want to see Warner sit there and go, well, we can... Can you think about it? Disney used to license off their stuff and do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Lucasfilm's licensed off their Star Wars comics for a while. The Marvel, Marvel's written Star Wars comics. Marvel was also written a lot of Disney comics for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been other situations in the past where other companies have licensed their stuff off to other people to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? You know, Masters Thank Universe, you. back when Masters Universe was going big, they they licensed their stuff off to DC. Yep. You know, so. I, I like that you bring up uh, Disney because now I'm thinking about voice actors. And since we were talking about legacies before, mm. imagine uh-huh. if a show gets rebooted and the original voice actor for the main character is, uh, like, for whatever reason, like, they're not really interested in doing the role again. So they end up having a new guy who does a really good job of personifying what made the original voice actor and the original voice performance so good. They Uh end up getting the job, and then right after the first season, they pull him out, and they get the original voice actor back. Hmm. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I didn't realize how much this sort of niche problem with DC and Marvel bothered me. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like other American comics, like Image and stuff, those guys have are finding out ways to let those legacies go and then end and mm-hmm. then start a new legacy. Right. They're yeah. letting... They let they find ways to let those characters go and live their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, even the original person that play, that was Spawn was gone for a while, and mm-hmm. a new guy took over. Yeah, yeah, and and to tell you the truth, it never in my mind went from, oh, I like the original guy that was originally Spawn, and I don't like the new guy. It was these are all Spawn. Mm-hmm. This is all Spawn. Yeah. Spawn, Spawn was shown to be a legacy yeah. in and of itself, even from like early on. Agreed. Just like the Witchblade. Yeah. 
the Witchblade is also it, there's a legacy. To I got the first trade of Spawn, by the way, and I got the first. I got the Torment trade from when Tom McFarlane did Spider Man. I forgot how much I loved, loved Tom McFarlane's art. It's it's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. It's just there's something just visceral, but at the same time beautiful mm-hmm. about it all. Yeah, agreed. It's so great because Todd McFarlane's such a goofball. He is yeah. who refuses to draw Venom with a big tongue. Yep. Yeah, won't do it. <laughs> and won't and do apparently it. won't sign his uh, won't sign his the only there's the cover where he has all the spiders. Yep. For the first Spider-Man, the Torment series, he won't sign that book. Mm-hmm. Really? He just stated that that yeah, he stated that it, he stated that he got so sick and tired, of, and he's probably changed his stance since then. Mm-hmm. But there was a time period where he said he wouldn't sign it because so many people came up with that book. He saw it so much for about five years mm-hmm. that he was just like, "I don't want to touch that book again." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because everybody had that issue one. The you know they had to, and of course she the reason why too is because they did Marvel did so many covers of that dude. Mm-hmm. Like there was a black and gold cover. There was a gold and black cover. There was a gold cover. There was a yellow cover. There was a red cover. They've done so many homages since then. It's just like, oh my gosh, no, can we not? And so yeah, it's just like he just got sick of seeing them. Mm-hmm. You remember when Jack so. Kirby had Spider Man lift that really heavy thing? Mm-hmm. The I just love that panel. It's good. Yeah, Spider Man lifts that panel. heavy thing, and it's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, because Man. that's when he was like, he was on the verge to give it up, but he was just like, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. Too many people are dependent on me. Um, so, guys, I think we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Don't. No, no. I was just gonna say, like, no, you... oh, wow. I I don't know where that all came from. Will I just I just don't know where it, all that frustration came from. But I feel like we explored a problem with larger comic book companies that I don't think not I don't think enough people are really talking about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean the thing about yeah. it is at the end of the day, I think we all can agree that we want good stories. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We want stories that go beyond just one character that they can't seem to let go of. If you're gonna pass the mantle, pass the mantle. <laughs> we appreciate yeah. those stories too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't pass the mantle and then three weeks later come back and be like, oh we're bringing them back. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know. um, when it, in the case of Marvel, when they were just like, just okay, well, all these people are gonna pass the mantle now. Yeah. To it, it, it really came off like Marvel was trying to like have more diversity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All uh, in one go. Too. Iron Tony Stark died. We got Riri Williams. Um, Cap retired. Cap retired. We got um, we got Falcon. Falcon. Cap. Fal- Captain Falcon. And they did. They did him so dirty. Mm-hmm. They did him so dirty too. Like just the whole, you know, they did the whole rep- the storyline where it was just like, not our Captain America. Yeah. We're gonna have Johnny Walker come in and do this, and then we're gonna reveal that Hydra Cap wasn't behind it all. So they wanted the reason why they hated Falcon was because of uh, Hydra Cap manipulating. Racism and all this other stuff. Uh, sorry, don't, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't want to go. Yeah, that's almost a whole podcast episode in and of itself. Like mm-hmm. how they treated Cap Falcon. Yeah, uh, new, uh, intentionally. New 
What's that? New yeah. Lady Thor. Jane Foster. Yeah. Jane Foster. Jane Thor. Foster Thor. Um, X-23 is Wolverine now. Yeah. Um, then they got... I never stopped having a crush on her. X-23? Yeah. She's cute as heck. Yeah. Um, when she's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Well, I mean, like, they have so many series where she's still, like... Uh, she's teenager. still a baby. She's still a little baby. Yeah. Um, she, was a, uh, she was adorable in, uh, in uh, gosh, Logan. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. The actress was really Yeah, cool. that little girl yeah. that played her was really wonderful. I remember reading, I think it was NYX, <laughs> when they first debuted her in NYX. I did not realize how much of a popular character that was going to be. Until about maybe a year afterwards when they started doing the X-23 comics. I was just like, dude, this is cool. I think she's great. Yeah. Um, then, obviously, um, Jen Walters is the Hulk now. And, mm-hmm. um, well, Captain uh, Carol Danvers became Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then that left uh, a the spot mi- The for, slot of Miss Marvel. For Kamala Khan to come in. Um, yeah. And, and that's for, been a mixed bag. That's been a mixed bag. I didn't like Kamala Khan for a long time. Yeah. But as of recently, I'm like, you know what? I think she's all right. I, I'm, st- I'm, I'm really starting to warm up to her. They're starting to figure her out. I still don't like Riri. I don't like no. her like at all. They, I think it's going to be a while before she finally finds her footing. I think or they were, I think they kind of write her as a jerk. They don't write her well. Like she's not written no. as a person who's likable. No, which is weird because and if you're a hero, you kind of hope that you'd be likable. Right. Well, and like like Tony Stark was unlikable and yeah. a jerk and a womanizer and all this other stuff. But you know, he they think they, they, they still counterbalanced it. They counterbalanced it with a lot of stuff, and it made him a lot of human. heart too. It gave him a lot of heart. Riri doesn't feel like he got better. Riri doesn't feel like she has much heart, which is funny because she's called the Iron Heart. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And like, there's a bunch of other. Th- like characters that are just like, oh, we, let's let's just change things up for di- for diversity's sake. Yeah. It might not be what they were trying to do, but that's what it felt. That's like. how it came yeah. off. Yeah. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why I was like, hold on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like this I was is a lot really fast. Like I I love Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. I love Falcon as Captain America. Um, pretty much all the other decisions, I was either like. I, I guess that's okay too. I don't like that at all. Yeah, like that's where mm-hmm. the range is for like pretty much everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how I was with Kamala Khan for a while. But I, I've come to really like Kamala Khan. I think she's all right. I yeah. think she's pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Just like l- let's try and like change it up and stuff like that. And then the fans like backlashing like super hard on yeah. that. And then other times when. <laughs> It's been more successful, like with Jaime being um, Blue Beetle yeah. after Ted Cord passes and, and all that. Yeah, you know. But that felt a lot more organic too with yeah. the with the Blue Beetle thing. And, For sure. And I'm a big Jaime nut. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I love Jaime. Jaime is great. I think it's you know He's it's a good funny. boy. Um, whenever they introduce a new Latino character in comics, mm-hmm. like I I I always find myself like looking at them and judging them very very carefully oh yeah to make sure that they're actually like trying to make a good character yeah and not being all like mm-hmm. hey look there's a little brown kid and he speaks spanish sometimes yeah which is what i've seen in certain other series before yeah. in the past mm-hmm. jaime 
I was like, I was watching Jaime very closely oh, for dude, a while. Oh, dude, just microscope and I was on microscope him. on him, and then he ended up being a really good character. And I was all like, "All right, Jaime, mm-hmm. all right. You, you passed my Latino test." <laughs> <laughs> you can, as far as as far as Latino Americans go, you got a gold star. There you go. Good job. And then I I look around. Yeah. And I'm all like, "My, where's Miles Morales? I need to keep an eye on this kid too." Yeah. And then I was like, "Hey, good job. Here's a gold star." And you know who? You know who yeah. snuck under the radar for me mm. as being pretty good? Mm. Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Yeah. I, I he still flew under the radar anything. for me. I still haven't read anything about him, but yeah. from what I have heard, I'm all like, he sounds cool. I would yeah. like to read more about yeah. him. Yeah. And in, the, yeah. in the Avengers books that he's in, he's really pretty awesome. He's kind of, he's not really the fish out of water, mm-hmm. but he, he's very much that street smart kid that like, he's the guy that comes up with the crazy ideas that somehow manages to work when it comes to him being Ghost Rider. But like, yeah. he even says at one point, like, if I tried to do this as myself, I would die. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. as Ghost Rider, I can pull this off and make this work. Mm-hmm. You know, but then like another Latino character, like America Chavez. I just don't like her very much. I don't. No. I don't find her very likable at all. No. So, so like, for, they, it, it all and I did talk about her and yeah, and I did talk about her in the Disney Plus. People put casting the new character that's going to play America Chavez mm-hmm. in uh, Doctor Strange three, Doctor Strange, then in Multiverse of Madness, and I'm like, the girl is 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is she supposed to play a 20 something year old girl? Like in this show, or are they just gonna young up everybody? I think the because idea is, the uh, case, is to keep everybody younger. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't feel like character. And even though I'm not a big fan of the American Chavez character, it makes sense to have her in Doctor Doctor Strange mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. the whole premise of it is the multiverse, because she yeah. literally can punch star shaped holes and travel through the multiverse through them. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. Yeah. So she is such a chosen one. She she's kind of a chosen yeah. one character. She is such it's, a chosen it's, one. It's hard for me to like her because one, I think her personality just makes her unlikable. Yeah. And two, it's like they're trying to get her over on me and yeah. I I can feel that. You're like, guys, we don't have so. SummerSlam coming for a while. Yeah, why, why are you, you trying still... to get America Chavez over on me? <laughs> and then right. if I if I well, don't like America through. Chavez, yeah. then people are going to be like, "Well, she's not for you." Yeah. You know? Oh, I, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. I remember much. that uh <laughs> I don't remember what movie it was for. Uh, I think it might it have was, been Captain Marvel. It was a different movie. Uh, no, it, no, 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 no. Brie Larson was talking about uh, A Wrinkle in Time. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was saying, uh, sorry, I don't need ahead, a 40-year-old white guy trying to, I don't need a 40-year-old white guy trying to explain A Wrinkle in Time to me. It wasn't made for him. Mm. There, there was a, a different news article. I don't remember what it was. Sure. Uh, but I saw it on prequel memes. Yeah. Uh, and it was just four ladies... Uh, I don't know what movie it was because I didn't see it in the. Oh article. wait, they were but talking was, about Star Wars. There was They're like four about... ladies on the on the on the picture on the screenshot. Yeah, and it's all like, uh, uh, straight white guys. This movie isn't for you. Yeah, and then another article with the same picture directly underneath. Yeah, it says why don't straight white guys want to watch this movie? And then underneath it was a screenshot of uh, of Anakin going, "Wait a second, this was your plan." <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, this whole operation was your idea. It was all your idea, thank you. Um, and so, wow. it's one of those things where it's just all like, uh, I don't I don't like America. 
I, I think she's annoying and brash and, and just unlikable as a character. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, it's one of those things where, like, I'm not going to just support a Latino character just because they're Latino. Yeah. I'm going to support a Latino right. character if they're a good character. Mm -hmm. And so far, right. there's been there's been some that I like and some that I don't like. Right. And so far, mm -hmm. th at the top of the list happens to be um, Jaime and... Uh, and Miles. Yeah. They're, they're and for me, me right uh, one of the things that I like about Robbie Reyes, specifically his portrayal in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because mm -hmm. was, I was just so happy yeah. that he was going to be in it. Mm -hmm. And I finally watched it. And the one thing that I love about his character, I feel like a lot of these other characters are kind of missing in an area of depth <laughs> that some of these other legacy heroes have already had but i feel like be with that going with that previous experience you should be able to figure out how to give these characters depth right away and they figured mm -hmm. that out with robbie by making it that he hates the ghost writer inside of him mm -hmm. but he knows right. it's the only way to fix the fix the world around him mm -hmm. and i love how they portrayed the the transformation into Ghost Rider as painful. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't they do? They kind of did that with the Nicolas Cage version too. Nope, nope, they? nope, 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 nope. We oh, don't sorry, talk about I'm not that supposed guy. to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they made it look like ecstasy. They made kind it look of, like yeah. they made it look like it was a monster gleefully escaping and. Nicholas, <laughs> like you watch Nicholas Cage behind the scenes, the way he psychs himself up for those scenes is he pumps himself up and he says, "I want to kill, I want to kill." <laughs> and I'm like, that's not the same as Robbie looking sad and terrified right before he transforms. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got to go back and watch some of that Agents of Shield for that because I really feel like it. I, I would benefit. Especially if they're going to end up using these characters in the multiverse of madness, which I can imagine they will in some way or another. It would be nice if they used literally any of the TV characters in any of the movies. Oh, that yeah. would make me happy. That but they be. haven't yet. No. I felt like Endgame, I, w I was first Infinity War and then also Endgame. I was like, please some of the defenders just one maybe God, no, you, get just, daredevil. just show me please just daredevil. show them for a second yeah that would make me happy they didn't do it no i was all like this is the worst movie ever made yeah <laughs> zero out of ten yeah zero i remember them saying game was still it's yeah. not gonna do any better <laughs> <laughs> they did give us a howard the duck reference so Howard on, the Duck man. at least was in the scene at the end, but still, come but, on, I mean, that's they, not the they same. They reference Howard the Duck in earlier movies anyway. Yeah. So it's like, eh. <laughs> plus, like literally, when they reference Howard the Duck before in Guardians One, yeah, they were literally like, um, like it, it. I believe the 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 guys were just all like, this was just meant to be like a one off joke. It, yeah. We weren't planning on doing anything. Yeah with howard the duck this isn't anyone. like the tease to his origin story or yeah, anything or anything like that this was just a silly joke <laughs> yeah um and like, so, we're not gonna we're not gonna do a we're not gonna do a howard the duck universe as this <laughs> yeah and so uh just the the referencing of howard the duck i don't i don't see it as anything really significant because yeah. The, yeah. the the show guys themselves were all like yeah that yeah, was just a it was just yeah. a dumb thing we wanted to do yes yeah. it doesn't mean anything anyway 
Gotcha. Thank you. All right, Will. so gentlemen, this has been fun. I'm glad we were able to get some of this stuff out because I didn't realize what we were going to step into. But I'm glad we were able to get some of that stuff out of there. Just let you guys express like this is how I'm feeling, and it's just like okay, <laughs> let's go. Really quick, Will. I love it. Uh, because because of how I've I've explained how whenever they introduce a new Latino character, like I have to. I have to look at them and make sure that they're not trying to like pander to me. Really and are, scrutinize and that. Really scrutinize. Make sure that they're actually legitimately trying to make a good character mm-hmm. and, and all right. of that. Do you do that for yourself in any way? Interesting. You know, um, I will say when I was growing up, there weren't a whole lot of black characters. Mm-hmm. So when I saw a black character, I kind of gravitated towards it. Even if it was horrible, like the old school Blade being written. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those... those books are trash uh (laughs) some of the old old school luke cage stuff was pretty trash i mean it was it's like i'm living in the 80s going why is this dude still doing job talking the 80s like shouldn't this guy be talking like a normal person like you know like 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 because you'd always have the kind of parallel between danny rand and him like danny rand would be like Okay, Luke, we've got to go do such and such. You'd be like, these jive turkeys won't know what hit them when I come through breaking through the walls. Somebody's like, okay, if I was watching Black Exploitation, I feel like that works. <laughs> this doesn't work in this era. Why is he talking like that? And then later on, like when uh, I believe it was Warren Ellis uh, or another British writer wrote him years later, like in the 90s, mm-hmm. yeah. they wrote him the same way. And like they interviewed the author, and it was like, "Oh well, I just watched a whole bunch of old black exploitation films." I'm going, "No, guy, no, this is not what I need in the '90s, man. Why are you? No, <laughs> Luke Cage has to progress like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, wow. you know, yeah, Captain Captain America isn't always talking about punching Nazis." Mm-hmm. You know, he, that era is gone. He's talking about other stuff now. He was doing the nomad thing. He was rebelling against the government. Like, can we let Luke Cage get progress? And I... so as time went on, there were other characters showed up. John Stewart. I really love John Stewart. I love the way they handled him uh, in a lot of the books growing up. And, it, and, you know, so I don't do that as hard. Really, to be honest, the first time I really was scrutinizing it was when Milestone came out. Mm-hmm. Because when the Milestone books came out, I wanted to see something different than the expectation. Because I had had my expectations subverted for so long in characters that I saw that looked like me in the comics that I really didn't feel like they were going to do it well. And then they did. Mm-hmm. Like they wrote Icon as an actual human being who <laughs> talked like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Um, who was even made fun of, like I was as a kid and as a teenager who was made fun of for using proper English mm-hmm. by people in the book. Like, the girl who had become Rocket, literally, it's like, you're just one of these bougie black dudes. He's like, well, first of all, that's not the case at all, but bougie represents this, and this is not what I am at all. What I am is somebody who's highly educated and trying to take people with me who ought to go with me. I'm not trying to treat you like you're less than, nor am I going to speak down to you so you can understand me. You know, oh. I'm here. I need to come to where I am. He's trying you to know, educate the masses. <laughs> exactly. So that was where that changed. And then even with Static Shock and some of the stuff that Static and them got into, man, it was just like that was stuff at the time you really didn't see in comics. I mean, there was a big issue with DC because there was a moment where him and I think his longtime girlfriend were going to have sex in the book. And there's a scene where 
the original cover had a condom on the counter. And DC was like, no, we're not doing that cover. We're not doing that cover. He's like, wait, so you don't want us to promote safe sex? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, that's not the point. It's like, well, but it is. Like, the cover shows two teenagers under bed sheets with a condom on the dresser. Your problem is the condom. Mm-hmm. Your problem is not them having sex on the cover. It's the condom. Because you keep saying take the condom out. <laughs> so I think they just ended up doing like an all-black cover. I think it just had static shot, static on there, and it just had a black cover. I don't even think it got a, the cover was ever on there at all. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the point. That was the breaking point with Milestone. They were kind of like, we're done. Mm-hmm. Like, and then slowly but surely, they wrapped up all the books after that. But mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I do it as much now. I just... My thing is, at the end of the day, I just want good characters. I don't care what color they are. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, if it's a black character, I don't want him speaking like he's like Luke Cage spoke for decades, mm-hmm. where he was they were trying to fit in a jive talking person because they felt like that made it easy. Okay, if you're gonna do a like Gindy Tadakoski, uh that did Primal mm-hmm. and Powerpuff Girls and stuff like that, he did a series of the Cage comic books, but he went back to the '70s and actually drew it like the 70s stuff mm-hmm. so when he says job turkey and that it makes sense because it's a period piece right right but i don't need luke cage walking around in the streets in 2020 saying you job turkeys come over i'm a uh i'm a i'm 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 ready to lay it down lay it down on the man man like i, I don't need all that in 2020 for luke cage can we bring back jive turkeys can we please <laughs> Oh, look, if you want to say Jive Turkey, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> At all. But that's no, it. I, like I just the... don't need Luke Hayes trying to represent the modern black man and sitting there saying stuff from 70s exploitation flicks. Where it's like, oh, okay, so where are we going to get a dialogue from? Dolomite seems good. No. <laughs> Dolomite. Do <laughs> um, no, I like, uh, I like the idea of... Um... Of Will being younger and wondering why on earth is he talking like that, but he immediately took me back to, why black dynamite why why <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, hey Pearl, who what I tell you about calling black dynamite while he's practicing his kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> My man, man, back to the mic. Hey, can we can we just give Dude, like a my a favorite little, moment from that? Give a little respect to Michael Jai White. For, oh, gosh, for yeah. Michael Jai White, yes, for sir. giving us this beautiful thing. <laughs> there is a movie he was just in called uh, I think it's the Final Quarter or the Last Second Shot or something like that. It's a it, it involves him as a like a dad. He's working as for a security firm that's in a in a basketball arena. And like it's Michael Jai White having to fight this this hopeless group of terrorists. I only say hopeless groups because Michael Jai White's the main character. Like, right. I don't care. You're not gonna beat him at the end. He's gonna yeah. somehow win. I you mean, know, if you're Michael Jai White, if you're what's what's that uh, stunt guy's name? Something Atkins. Oh, uh, Scott Atkins. Scott Atkins. If you're Scott Atkins, then I feel like you have a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's because Michael Jai White and Scott Atkins like to. Uh, they like to fight each other yeah. in all sorts of different movies. Yeah, in, in a bunch of different movies. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so They're both good But with that, yeah. gentlemen, I think we're going to wrap this up. I greatly appreciate you guys getting on here and talking with me about these subjects mm-hmm. and everything. 
Um, so you guys got some stuff to go do. I've got some stuff to go do. So we're going to go do that stuff. Awesome. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for rocking out with us here on conversations about dot, dot, dot. We greatly appreciate you. And, uh, above all else, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be blessed to somebody guys. Take care. This episode is powered by Poddex.